Hi, my name is Mike and this is my story of faith. I was born in 1976 with a twin brother. In 1986, our mother passed away. We were nine years old. We went to go live with our aunt and uncle uh, in central Illinois where we were from inner city Memphis, Tennessee. So it was quite a different culture change. They were uh, attendees of uh, the Assemblies of God Church and they had a program called the Royal Rangers. It was kind of like Boy Scouts, but uh, we had the Royal Rangers and we were raised in the Royal Ranger program. And we had excellent mentors. We had excellent commanders as we called them, as our leaders. Uh, we had Olympic athletes, we had uh, farmers, we had corporate leaders, we had all kinds of mentors that were pouring into us on a, on a, on a weekly, daily basis. These people were our Sunday school teachers. They taught us uh, all kinds of different things. But it was at a Royal Ranger camp out in June of 1986. So we had just been a month with our aunt and uncle there when, um, and they always had a theme at these uh, powwows. And this one was the, the African safari theme. That powwow that I got saved in June of 1986. So we were raised in church the whole time. And uh, I can see how all those, all those experiences and all those places and all those mentors and all those people and youth pastors and pastors uh, have played a part in putting me where I am today uh, as a school resource officer. Uh, working with kids every day. There for a while I dropped out of church because I thought hope was a four-letter word. Uh, I, I really did. I, it was not, I was really seeing the negative in, in people and I had to get a fresh start, a fresh perspective. And it really took a toll on my family there for a little bit, but now I realize I, without a Christian perspective, there is no hope. My, my faith came back to life basically was when you know I realized my parents were praying for me, my wife was praying for me, encouraging me, my kids were encouraging me, dad where are you? You know the church people, hey where where, where are you? What are you doing? You know uh, we haven't seen you in a while. It makes you realize that that you do make a difference and to be that that mentor that those Royal Rangers commanders were to me you know in 1986 on uh, that I just want to encourage people that, you know, you, you, you are making a difference. Sometimes you think it's so futile that you barely get through your, your program for a Wednesday evening or a Sunday and you're thinking, oh, am I just treading water? Am I wasting time? No. Somebody's going to remember something. You're there for a purpose. So that's my story. Getting involved is hard. It's very hard. Uh, it's very taxing. But you got to understand it's worth it. You, you got to see your purpose, that somebody's going to remember something. And I can tell you, all those guys way back then, my aunt and uncle that took us in in 1986 to 2022, that all the influence, high school, Bible college, uh, junior college, army, working in corrections for three years, uh, being a street cop to now being a, a school resource officer, and every cop job in between, everything from 1986 to now all those people have made a difference in my story amen i love hearing those stories of faith funny uh funny story uh little known fact about your pastor uh, i grew up in the royal ranger program too but i was a flunk dropout of said program that's why i have zero survival skills in the wilderness just so you know, I'm sure that's not a surprise to half of you. Hey, uh, welcome to church. Glad you're with us. Open your Bibles, if you would, to uh, Matthew chapter 25. Man, wasn't that just um, just a special time with the Lord in our worship time and that communion? Uh, I'm going to do my best to turn a corner and uh, bring the word today. And I hope you brought some notes, and I hope you're ready to hear the word. Um, I think God's going to speak some things to our hearts as we keep making space and giving him room to work and move in our lives. Amen? Uh, we are in a part of our King Jesus Gospel collection here where we are asking the question, how, as followers of Jesus, should we wait and prepare and be ready when Jesus returns. What does that look like? How should we do that? And 
Last week we said that we want to await the king's return with anticipation, filled with the Holy Spirit, who fuels our faith and life. He's our advocate in this life of faith. Today, you're going to see as we get into Matthew 25 and the next parable that Jesus tells, you're going to see um, that we await the king's return as stewards. Somebody say stewards. Knowing we are accountable for all that God has entrusted into our care. So let's get into the word. Matthew 25, we're going to start in verse 14. This is what it says. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground, put the money under his mattress and said, I can't trust those banks. And he hid his master's money. Sorry, that was a little extra... That's the gospel according to little M. Matthew. Expanded version there. Verse 19. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servants to whom he had entrusted five bags of silver came forward with five more and said master you gave me five bags of silver to invest and i've earned five more the master was full of praise well done oh my good and faithful servant you have been faithful in handling this small amount so now i will give you many more responsibilities let's celebrate together the servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said master you gave me two bags of silver to invest and i have earned two more the master said well done my good and faithful servant you've been faithful in handling this small amount so now i will give you many more responsibilities let's celebrate together then the ma- then the servant with the one bag of servant came silver came and said master I-, I knew you were harsh man and harvest crops where you didn't plan and you gather crops that you didn't cultivate i was afraid that i would lose your money so i hid it in the earth and look here's your money back But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Similarly to last Sunday's parable, that sounds like hell. Because it is. Let's pray. Jesus, we need your help. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive. God, what you want to say to us as it relates to our assignment as stewards in your kingdom. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Friends, I want you to hear this truth really, really clearly. God has given you an an assignment 
in his kingdom. He's given me an assignment and he's given you an assignment. God has given us an assignment within his kingdom, within this world, within this life, within our everyday ordinary existence. There is an assignment on your life and on my life. He's given it to you. Now, he didn't just give it to you and leave you high and dry. There's some good news. He's given you some other things as well. Uh, let me show you what this sounds like from uh, the Apostle Peter's perspective. In 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3, he says, he says this. He says, by his divine power. Whose divine power? God's divine power. Who is God's divine power? That is the Holy Spirit animating, living, and dwelling in you. We talked about him last week. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. If you are the scripture verse memorizing type, 2 Peter 1 verse 3 is a good scripture to memorize. If you are not the scripture memorizing type, 2 Peter 1 verse 3 is a good one to start memorizing scripture. He has given you and me everything you need to live a life that honors God. Well, I just haven't, I'm just struggling, just struggling to honor God, just struggling to do the right thing, just struggling to live a life, just struggling. Well, stop struggling and recognize the source of your power isn't you, it's him. And he's already given you everything you need to start living the life that he's called you to live. I don't know if you're ready for preaching, but here it comes. By his divine power, God has given you everything that you need to live a godly life. And we have received all of this by simply knowing and coming to know him. The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Pause. There is corruption in our world because of human desires that gone awry. It's called the syntax. Your life and my life experiences attacks of sin and death because of the reality of the syntax on the earth in and of itself. And God has given you everything to escape and not live according to the worldly desires, not living according to the world systems, not giving, living according to your own ways and your own heart and your own mind. The corruption that is within your heart and my heart, the corruption that is within our world and everything around us, he has given us a way to overcome that. It's known as a relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. That's a little throwback to last Sunday if you missed the message go back and listen to it he's given you everything that you need to escape it he says in view of all of this then make every effort to respond to God's promises supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and with godliness brotherly affection and brotherly affection supplement that with love for everyone pause what is the difference between brotherly affection and love this is a bonus this is just for free because I love you and I think you ought to know the difference there is a difference what's the difference is one for love for a, a, another guy and one is love for everyone is that what no 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 Jesus is talking about brotherly affection for the people of God because not every human being is in the family of God so there is a priority and a specificity to how we love and commune and give affection to the family and the people of God and then there is love for everyone else and we love them as neighbors as we would love ourselves but there is an affection for the people of God that he says Add to that. And then from that, you'll also be able to love the world around you. Why? Because if you can't love the person sitting in the green chair next to you, you're not going to love the heathen that is doing you wrong later this week. I wish I had time to preach that. Goes on to say that the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. What's he saying? That you were called in your assignment in the kingdom of God to grow, develop, and mature. And those who don't grow, develop, and mature, he's going to look at you like the servant who only got one talent and says you were wicked and you were lazy. That's the contrast that he's given to us. So dear brothers and sisters, can we all just work hard to prove that we really are among those God has called and chosen? Let's do these things so we never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That sounds like heaven. Because it is. Friends, you and I were given an assignment, but God has given you an assignment with his, in his kingdom, but he hasn't left you powerless and with no ability to fulfill that assignment. Here's the good news. Here's what Jesus wants you to see and what I hope you understand. Not only has God given you an assignment in his kingdom, but God has also given you assets and ability to help you and I accomplish his assignment on our lives. He didn't leave you high and dry. He didn't say, hey, I need you to do this, and then doesn't give you the ability, the resources, the tools, or the skill set to do the assignment that he's given you. No, he wants to tell you all about it. He wants to give you the skills, the personality, the giftings, the mix, the opportunities, the people around you to shape and shift and help you grow and develop and cultivate those things. He wants to give you all that you need as it pertains to life and godliness. I know some of you are sitting there saying, okay, if, I, if, if God has given me assignment, how do I know what my purpose is? How do I know what my assignment, how do I know what that looks like? How do I know that like I'm, I'm not missing it? Like, can I just give you a Cliff Notes version? I don't have time to unpack this entirely, but let me just give you some Cliff Notes. How do you get to know your purpose? I promise, I believe, let me say it this way. I believe your God-given purpose is at the intersection of your skills, your personality, and the formation of the God-life identity that he's shaping through his word and the people of God in you and the opportunities that he puts in your life for you to be faithful and obedient with whatever he brings in your life to do. This is why we need voices of fathers and mothers in our life to shape and affirm, hey, I see this in you. This, I think you'd be really good at this. I think maybe this is part of your life. I think you've got a knack for working with computers. Have you ever thought about going into some computer stuff? Network security, internet safety, white hat hacking. I don't know. Maybe you ought to think about some of that. You're, like, you're somebody who really likes order and discipline. Have you ever thought about joining the armed forces and making a life out of serving in the military? I think, I think you have the skill set to really do. You know what? You have a skill set. You have a great skill set to drive some trucks and to do some things and to be on assignment hauling things all around the place. I, that, you, you, have you ever thought about being a teacher? Because I really think you have the ability to connect with people's hearts and bring information in a fun and engaging way that helps them learn and grow. Have you, you know what? I think you have a real Really, uh, logical, sequenced, process mind, you would be great at running sh machinery that requires you not to miss a step or you will miss a finger in the process. I think you ought to be and consider running in the... You like to talk an awful lot. <laughs> Maybe you should become a salesman. Like, are we tracking? It's at the intersection of what God has put inside of you. He has given you an assignment, but he's also giving you the ability and the assets to fulfill that assignment. And at the end of the day, we've got to recognize that like we get to bring those to the Lord, offer them to God. And as James Hudson Taylor said, the famed missionary, depend on it. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. In other words, he's going to bring to you all that you need and the people that you need to accomplish the assignment that he has on your life. Well, what if I don't like my assignment? Get over it. <laughs> your assignment is your assignment. 
And there's something in you about you that God is shaping, forming, and cultivating, and leading in you that if you'll do it his way, surrender to him, he will make sure your assets develop and your assignment will flourish as you do it in alignment with his will and his purposes. You might be sitting there thinking, yeah, but pastor, you don't understand. Like, I don't, I don't really feel really gifted to do. I don't really feel like I, this is, I'm in my life. I, like, I, I kind of look around at the other assets and abilities that other people have, and I just, I don't really think that I, I, I have much talent, ability, or skills. That's because you're too busy comparing to the wrong thing. You're too busy comparing their asset with your asset. But when you stand before God one day, it's not about how you use your assets compared to their assets. It's going to be your assets on the line. It's okay to chuckle. That was funny. When I stand before God, he's going to look at you be like, what did you do with your assignment, your abilities, and the assets that I gave you to handle those? Well, Lord, I did pretty good, but you know that, that wife you gave me, she wasn't very easy to handle. And God's going to look and be like, you prayed for her and picked her. That's on you, brah. That was the answer to your prayer. To which I will honestly respond. Thank you, Jesus. It was more than I deserve. It was really, at the end of the day, if you don't feel like you have much to offer, it's because you're too busy not paying attention to what he's given you. And you're too busy comparing it with what he gave someone else. They got five and I got one. Friends, someone will always be able to do what you do better than you do it. Someone will always be able to do what you do worse than what you do. Don't walk in comparison and don't walk in arrogant conceit thinking that you're better than someone or worse than someone. When you walk in comparison and you're trying to look down or you're looking up at yourself, either way you are polluting your contribution. And if we get caught in the comparison trap, we do not contribute anything to the kingdom of God, contribute anything to the life that God has called us to do. We sit back and try and hold on to it rather than contribute what he's asked us to contribute. And in the process of our comparison, whether giving us conceit or giving us feeling less than, we will end up becoming bitter at the master. And that's a dangerous place to be. Now, before we get too far down this road, this word steward and stewardship is not one that we use every day. It may not be one that you use very often. I, I want to give you the, the, the de dictionary definition from, from Miriam's dictionary. It says this, that the conducting, supervising, or managing of something, especially the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care is stewardship. Something has been entrusted to your care, and that's what you do as a steward. Let me give you another definition from this text that I think is important for us to see. A steward, according to Jesus' parable today, a steward handles what is in our care by using our skills to flourish what was entrusted to us. We must not be passive in our waiting, but active. Somebody say active. A steward not only handles it, hear me, it's not that we recognize that it's in our hand, it's what we do with what's in our hand that determines whether we will be called a faithful steward or a lazy steward. Whether we will be found faithful or we will be found unfaithful. I want to give you six things that stewardship is not. That's abnormal for me. Typically when I uh, preach the word of God and kind of help us unpack and understand it, I want to put it in the positive, this is what it is, so that we can move in that direction. But I want you looking and thinking about the one unjust steward, the one who is wicked and lazy, 
I want to look at kind of what he did so that we don't do those things. And I want to help us kind of shock our mental system for a minute so that we see a clear contrast of what it's not so that we can begin moving in stewardship as to what it should be. Are we ready? Number one is this. Stewardship is not control. Stewardship is not about control. If you are too busy trying to control the aspects and assets and assignment on your life and the outcomes that they produce, you are playing God in your life. God has not given you control, but rather he invites you to contribute. He's not asking you to control outcomes. He's not asking you to control what your kid is going to do when they turn 21. He's asking you to cultivate a heart of faith in the ways of Jesus. He's not asking you to control. He's asking you to cultivate something. We, we contribute. We don't get to control. We get to cultivate what is growing and multiplying and flourishing in our life. We get to pull the weeds, add the fertilizer, take care of and tend to it. We don't make it grow. God makes it grow. You get to participate in the cultivation of the things that he's placed in your hands to do. It's not about holding on for dear life. Oh, if I could just, I'm hanging on. These kids are wild and crazy, but if I can just not kill them before they're 18, dear Lord. Just holding on for dear life. Listen, holding on until the end is not faithfulness. Being faithful is maturing something, growing something, multiplying something, and cultivating something that flourishes. Faithfulness is not just about showing up consistently. In the church world, we like to talk about, well, if we just had some volunteers that were more faithful, and what we mean by that is, like, they would just show up consistently, like, on time to huddle, and show up when they're scheduled, and they would just be here. Good Lord, if we could just have a warm body... That's not faithfulness. That's consistency. It's good, but it's not faithfulness. Faithfulness requires a multiplication of growth and a flourishing because you're involved in it. Your boss doesn't want you just to show up and be consistent in your attendance at work. Oh, that's a good starting point. And trust me, you won't have a job very long if you don't at least do that bare minimum. But doing the bare minimum and just holding on till, you, till Friday comes around is not the assignment that God has on your life and the environment in which he's placed you. He wants you to, your boss is waiting for you to show up bringing all of your skills, your personality, your energy, your life source to helping make better what has been given to you to steward and put in your hands as your assignment. Whatever realm you're in, whatever work you're in, whatever he's given you to do, work at it with all your might as unto the Lord and not unto man, Colossians says. Faithfulness is not about just showing up consistently. It's about how you show up and what you do when you show up. It's called faithfulness which is seen in the fruitfulness that your activity and stewardship has and how you do it it's about fruitfulness in your area of assignment not just that you didn't give up R.C. Sproul is a famous orator and preacher said this human beings were commanded to be fruitful and multiply this was a command for productivity, which has stewardship implications. Thus, the concern for stewardship is rooted in creation itself. Can I say it another way? When you were knit together in your mother's womb, God knit you together and made you, hardwired you to be a good steward. It's part of who you are. All, if you are life and breath in your lungs, stewardship is hardwired into who you are. And stewardship is not control, but it is fruitfulness because of how you do it. Stewardship, number two, is not based on fairness. It's not based on fairness. That's not fair is not a kingdom perspective. We are not all given the same things, but we are all given something. We're not all given the same things. 
There, there is this subtle lie of fairness that says the people of everybody should have everything the same. The kingdom of God is not linked to communism. Now, before you get too excited, I'm coming for your capitalism too in just a minute. Because your greedy little heart ain't going to help you none. We think that everybody should have the exact same. No. He gave them money to manage according to their ability. Five, two, and one based on their ability. Which means your ability ain't the same as someone else's ability. So that means God, God can't trust you with the same amount that he's trusting someone else with that amount. Because stewardship is about the skill set, the assets, and the attributes that God's given you based on the assignment he's created you for. Fairness and sameness is not a kingdom idea. But when it comes to steward, it, it, rather, when it comes to a stewardship based on our ability and scope of care. It's not all the same. We're not all given the same amount of something, but we are all given something to care for, to love, and to steward. And if we have a same set, if we have a mindset that says, well, the master is supposed to be fair to everyone, we will misunderstand the heart of the master. And if we misunderstand the master and his character, we will then mishandle our assignment and the assets that he's given to us. Just ask the steward who was given one. He did not steward it well. He did not do what was right because he was afraid. He misunderstood the master's heart. So he lived in fear rather than in fruitfulness because of their faithfulness. It wasn't the same. But it was based on their ability. Now, please hear me. The steward... The servant who got one bag of silver or in King James and most other translations says one talent, which doesn't mean like you can sing or you can dance or you can like twirl around, not that kind of talent. Talent was a, a weight of measurement as it relates to silver. In fact, a talent was the largest named amount of money in ancient times. The guy who had one talent, hear me, had ability he just didn't steward it. He had the right personality for that assignment. He just didn't mature and grow in it. He had the right assets to handle. He just chose to live in fear because he misunderstood the master's heart. Because if you are looking for everything to be fair, you will misunderstand the master's benevolent heart towards you. you will misunderstand the protection that the master has for you. Because if the person who got one was given five, he would have lost probably some of that. It was protection of the master, not unfairness from the master. And he misunderstood it. Because stewardship is not based on fairness. Nor is stewardship your right Number three, it's not your right. Jesus, you don't owe me anything. Stewardship is not your right. It's a responsibility that he's given you though. You're not entitled to it, but you are responsible for it. I, I want you to never forget this. I'll tell you how it came to me, how the Lord taught me this. We were getting ready to have our third child, Annalise, my little cuddle bug. Lover dearly, I was scared to death about having a third child. Like, just like, pant, like, I was not ready. Like, like, man-to-man -man defense I was good with. Moving to a zone defense, I'm not sure. Like, having three outweigh the two, I just wasn't sure that I was ready for like that. Some of you are like, yeah, we'll try four, five, six, and seven. Well, that's on you, bro, not me. <laughs> like, obviously you got better ability than I got. You got more assets, more skills than I got. I don't know. 
I was so afraid of having a third child that we couldn't provide, that we wouldn't be able to do, that my love wouldn't be enough, that I was also all sorts of insecure comparison issues, which was causing me to misunderstand what God was trying to give me in my life. And the Lord spoke it to me this way. He said, son, don't ever forget if I'm giving you a responsibility to steward, it's only so, it's only because I have given you the ability and it is your response to my ability that I gave you that you have this responsibility. If God is bringing it into your care, into your life, it's because he can trust you because you have the abilities and the skills, the assets to handle the assignment that he's given you. But you're not owed it. It's more than you can handle. And if anybody wants to live with the mindset that says, God will get, never give you more than you can handle, bull, run the other way. It ain't true. God will never give you more than he can handle. Friends, stewardship is not our right. It is a gift from God. We serve using our skills, our abilities. We handle the money and the assets and the things in our lives because it is a response to his ability and skills. And it's a response to his life, his goodness, his benevolence in our life. You don't own anything in your life. It's all a gift from God. It is more generous than what you think you need. It was an act of absolute benevolence on God. Listen, the, the talent, the bag of silver, by, by the most conservative estimates in today's life would be like someone handle, handing you today $400,000 and saying, I can trust you with this. Some of you are like, I'll take, I'll take half that right now. I know, because you're, you're at the quick mart, like getting your scratchers, trying to get half of it some way, somehow. I hear you. $400,000. How many of you be like, yeah, I'll sign up for just one time. Just one, Lord. I'll take half of a bag of talent. Just half of it, Lord. That's a ton of money to give to somebody. Listen, whatever gifts God has given you is more than what you deserve. It is an act of the generosity of God and he's entrusting it to you to serve his way with it. So don't look. What's that phrase? A gift horse in the mouth? Is that, is that, did, I, did I get that right? Even if you think you haven't been given much, that you don't have much, oh, what you have is an act of a great benevolence and if you'll stop trying to compare and complain about what you do have you'll start to see the beauty of what God has given you if you'll start to cultivate and and steward and take care of what he has given you the assignment that he does have you in in this season you'll begin to see the flourishing of God you'll begin to see when you respond to the generosity of God with real gratitude it helps you short circuit your natural ability and inclination to complain and criticize and compare generosity and from God requires a response of gratitude before God. That's the proper response. Number four, stewardship is not only a money issue. It's everything in your life. Everything in your life. This parable is using money. God likes to use money to teach us lessons. God uses money to see if he can trust you. Because how you handle money reveals to God how you'll handle his most trusted things, which are the people around you. Some of you are mishandling people because you mishandle God's money. It was his money he gave to them. It wasn't their money that he gave to them. God owns it all. Everything in your hands is from God. Money is the practice field for what matters most to God, and that is people. When we learn to, the lessons we learn in handling money are the lessons that transfer in how we handle people properly. It's not the only lesson, but it's a good one. It's a litmus test. God is looking at how you are handling what he has placed in your bank account, saying, can I trust you and will you trust me? Money will only magnify what's in your heart. It doesn't solve the problems of your life. It will only magnify your ability and skills that you've developed or not developed. 
So while stewardship isn't only about money, it absolutely involves money. And Jesus makes no apology for it. The wicked servant received a ton of money to start with. And it magnified and revealed his heart that was wicked, full of fear, and his misguided loyalty as he misunderstood the heart of the master. Money matters because it reveals your heart. It matters because it reveals your loyalties. It matters because it's an issue of the stewardship that God has given to you. It is an issue of stewardship. Frank E. Gabaline says it like this, poor stewardship amounts to nothing less than withholding from the Lord that which is his. Just go back and read the language in the parable. It wasn't about the money he gave them that was now theirs. It was them recognizing, God, this is still yours. I'm here to give an account for everything you've given me. Stewardship is not only a money issue. Number five, stewardship is not about the what. It's not about what he's asked you to do. It's not about what house you live in. It's not about what job you have. It's not about what person you marry. It's not about what number of kids you have. It's not about what your zip code is, what your address is, what church you go to, what your upbringing was, what hand you felt like you were dealt with in life. It's not about the what, it's about the how. How are you managing and stewarding? How are you cultivating flourishing and multiplication and growth in what he's given you? How are you handling the gift of the home that you're living in? How are you handling the life of of the family of God that you belong to? Not what church you go to, but how you participate in the church that you go to. It's not about what you do day in and day out for a job. It's about how you show up and do the job that you've been asked to do day in and day out. It's not about what kind of personality your kids have. It's about how you are cultivating the life of God within the personality of the kids that God has given to you and trusted to you. You don't own the what, but you do own the how of how you steward it. He's given it to you, so add to it. Work hard with it. Cultivate around it. Help develop it. Stewardship is not about the what. It's about the how. It's about the how. How are you handling and taking care of and loving and nurturing the things that God... We we talk in our community, and rightfully so, about property taxes and property values and all the... What what if everybody in Bourbon County who goes to a church and says Jesus is their Lord decided this year we're going to do something to increase our property value on our own because we want to take care of the home that God has given us and entrusted into our care? What, What if? What if? What, what if everybody just saw to it to help take care of the people around you? What if? What if? What if we stopped thinking about it's this problem and that problem, but we start looking at God, what have you placed in my hand and how am I handling it for your kingdom? It's not the what. It's the how. It's how. It's how. How. It's the attitude, it's the personality, it's the skill set, it's the gifting, it's the, it's the are you growing and maturing or are you burying yourself in fear and control and comparison? Stewardship is not about the what, it's about the how. F- finally, number six, stewardship is not forever. I, I hesitated to write this one because I don't want you to hear me say, stewardship is not eternal. Oh, it very much impacts eternity. It very much impacts your flourishing life with God that begins now and is ongoing for the rest of your time. Stewardship is absolutely something that influences, impacts, as, and is an investment into your kingdom life eternal. But it doesn't on this earth last forever. The end point is either when you exit this life by way of death or Jesus returns. Either of those two happen, the book 
on your accounting, the ledger of the things that God has put in your hair, in your hand, your assets and your abilities, the book will be closed on those when Jesus returns. And then you give an account for what's in the book. You don't get to add to it. You don't get to change it. You don't get to stand up and say, yeah, but, but uh, you know, Lord, I, I would have done more, but the church really abuses money, and I just don't trust people with money, and I can't be generous in that way. Yeah, I, I know, Lord, I know, I, know, I know you wanted me to raise my kids to follow you, but I really wanted to raise a pro basketball player. That's really what I wanted. Yeah, yeah, but that wasn't your assignment. I'm not going to stand before God and God be like, hey, uh, Matthew, that's a great, great name. Um, you were real creative and you were a great artistic person and you, you, um, you were real opinionated on Facebook and you really helped argue. You were a great lawyer. The only problem is your assignment wasn't being a lawyer. It was actually to be a shepherd among my people. You did, you did a great job. You raised a lot of money. You saved a lot of money. Wait, wait, way to go, Jim. You, you, your bank account was flourishing and you, you did really, you can make a deal, man. You can make a deal, but I didn't call you to make a lot of money. I actually invited you to be a partner in funding the kingdom of God. You, 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 oh, Suzanne, you, you were... You really tried with those Pinterest birthday parties. Oh, you gave your kids. You really tried to make memories, but I didn't give you the skill set, the assignment to try to make the best birthday parties for your kids. I created you a really great conversationalist to help connect and grow your kids in the ways of God. But you were too busy trying to compare your parenting, your momming with the Pinterest moms and, and you got off your assignment. And you try to use someone else's skills that you don't have to fulfill your assignment. But that's not the skill I gave you. I gave you a different skill. I gave you a different ability. I gave you a d- We're going to stand before God and the account of our lives will be closed. And it will be based on our faithfulness, our fruitfulness in the assignment he has on our life. As we cultivate and use the assets and the abilities that he gave us to put into practice and utilize in completing the assignment he has on our lives. Your assignment is different than my assignment. Your assignment's different from the person next to you. There are some things in the kingdom that we all do. We're gonna talk about that next week. But there are some specific things God's placed in your hands for you to steward. My question is, are you walking and cultivating fruitfulness? Or are you walking in the fear? See, see, fear is a lying spirit that is whispering to you about your abilities, your assets, and your assignment that tries to get you to control and in the end you limit your stewardship. Friends, the first step in God honoring stewardship is to actually surrender everything in your care to the will of the owner because you don't own it. It's, it's to, the, the first step in good stewardship is Surrender. The first step in parenting your kids in a way that honors God is to surrender them back to God. The the first step to being found faithful with the finances is to surrender them to God. This is why Jesus taught us to pray. When he was in the garden, and he said, Not my will, Lord but your will be done. That prayer of surrender kept Jesus on his assignment. Not my will, but yours be done. 
I wonder if today the Lord has been speaking some things and there are certain things in your life you have not been stewarding in a fruitful way, in a, in a God-honoring way. Maybe it's been a control thing. Maybe it's been a fear thing. Maybe, I, don't, I don't know what it is for you. I don't know what it is for me. I, I wonder if you would be willing to say, God, here it is in my hands and I've been holding it, holding on, just trying to make it, not lose it. But I wonder if you would be willing to say, God, not my will, but yours, and you would just open it before the Lord and surrender today. Would you stand with me? Would you just bow your heads, close your eyes just for, just for a minute, reflecting back on these words that the Lord has been... Stewardship. God, you've given us all an assignment. But Lord, that assignment, you also gave us the ability, the skill set, the personality, the, the opportunities. Lord, you, you, you've given us some things to accomplish it. Lord, we want to steward it in a way that brings about flourishing and growth and maturity and abundance and multiplication, not, not withholding it, trying to control it. But Lord, there's a lot of things in our lives, God, that we say, it's my will. But Lord, teach us the first step is to say, not my will, but your will. God, not my kingdom, but your kingdom. Just by way of response today, if, if you know the Lord is speaking some things to you, would you just put your hands in a fist out in front of you and then just simply whisper, Lord, not my will, but your will, and then open your hands. God, not my will with my family, but your will be done. Not my will with money, but your will be done with money. God, not my will in my sexuality, but your will be done. Not my will in the relationships that I have, but your will be done. Not my will be done with the hobbies that you've given me, but Lord, your will be done with those things. God, not my will, but your will. Lord, help us to make the first step in good stewardship and that's to surrender it back to you as we work hard to cultivate we use our skills and our ability to multiply and grow it we use everything that you've given to us Lord to bring fame and glory to your name and your name alone Jesus so we say not our will but yours oh Lord be done we pray this in the name of the Father who loves us the Son who died for us and the Holy Spirit who lives within us we pray and the people of God said